get started, and I'm going to do that with uh, going before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you so much that you uh, bring us here together with a common cause, and uh, that being to proclaim your excellencies, to uh, proclaim the message of Jesus Christ and his salvation. Lord, uh, this is a weighty and awesome stewardship that you've given us to train up children uh, to know this good news, uh, to be the, the future generation of your disciples here on earth, and then to take that message and to be lights in the world where they are. So Lord, I pray you would go before us in this task, that your spirit would strengthen us and empower us, uh, give us clarity, uh, give us confidence, and um, just give us a, a renewed uh, enthusiasm to share the gospel and to make disciples of the children that you bring to us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, yeah, the first thing on here, sign the roster if you haven't already. It's going around. Janet has it right now. Um, one of the reasons why we need to do a training like this is because our, our insurance actually kind of expects it. Uh, Deb knows that. That's really not the, the biggest reason why we're here today. Uh, but it's, I, I'd like to have everybody's name on there so I can know who I need to get with afterwards who wasn't, wasn't here. Um, agenda for this morning. So we've got about an hour. We can probably hopefully take the whole hour here. And we're going to talk about one, just a general overview. Like, what are we doing <laughs> uh, when it comes to discipling children and the children's ministry here? Like, what's the big why behind it all? Like, why do we even take the time to have a Sunday school when there's only uh, sometimes one, two, three kids, hopefully more? But, uh, but why do we take time to share, uh, teach them the scriptures and teach them the gospel? Um, and then a bit, I have a video I want to show on particularly helpful to sharing the gospel with children and thinking through because that's really the number one thing we want them to get out of, out of ministry is do they understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and what it means to follow him as Lord. And then at the end, uh, I guess you could call it the business portion, but uh, a more spiritual way to think of that is what are we doing uh, to protect to keep our children safe and to steward this gift um, that God has given us. And um, not just with our own family here, but when a visitor comes in, how, how do they know that they can leave their children uh, with us and feel, feel safe, feel comfortable about that? So that's where I'm going. I have this article that I found this week uh, that's titled... Don't neglect the 414 window of children's ministry. Don't neglect the 414 window of children's ministry. Now, has anybody heard of the uh, 1040 window when it comes to missions? All right. What do you think the 414 window is when it comes to children's ministry? What was that? Ages. Yeah. And, and what, why, would, why would they make such a big emphasis of the ages 4 to 14? Yeah, learn the most. 
Um, and statistics say most, no, most receptive to hearing uh, and understanding and believing the gospel, committing their lives uh, to Christ. I just want to read a couple quotes out of this. Um, he says, one of the biggest mistakes I've seen among those who have a heart for the lost is that they don't see the children of their own church as lost. Every child, even the cute ones in our Sunday school, needs the gospel. Our goal is not to get the children into church, but into Christ. Um, I think that's a, a, a really good way to state it up front. And he goes on to say, uh, no church is responsible for presenting the gospel to every lost person in the world. But each local church is responsible for its own unsaved children. Religious education in our society is mostly limited to the home and church. If churches and parents don't reach children, then who will? And then he, and he has a, a statistic from a survey in 2015 uh, from the National Association of Evangelicals, where they found that 63% of Christians say that they accepted Jesus Christ between the ages of 4 and 14. In the ages of 4 and 14. So needless to say, what we're doing uh, is extremely important. Can you remember a time in the scriptures where Jesus uh, emphasized or highlighted um, children or children's ministry? Yes, when his disciples told or his puzzles were the wanted the little children quit bothering him. Yeah. How many of you think of children, be honest, like in your honest <laughs> moments here. How many of you sometimes think of children as pests? <laughs> <laughs> or nuis nuisances? Well, they think of bicycle pests, so that is their own <laughs> <laughs> It just carries colonies. Go so I, I just helped yeah. my 22-year-old move yesterday. Okay. It doesn't go away. Oh, so you still think of this <laughs> as a nuisance or Yeah. And so the disciples were like, we got to look important. We got to do church. We got to get people healed. We got to get people saved. We got to get people to Jesus. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what about them? Like, these are human beings created in my image that need to understand what it means to have a saving relationship with me, and the famous line that he said was, let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And uh, I can tell you, this church um, won't last too much longer if there's no discipleship of children. <laughs> Eventually, we'll all just get old. And uh, if we're not discipling our children, they won't come to church anymore because they won't see any need for it. And the church, this local church, would cease to exist. So what are we doing in children's ministry? Here's kind of the mission statement. This is why we're here. Leading children to understand what it means to have a saving relationship with Christ and to follow Him as Lord. To know what it means to have Jesus as the ruling authority, the master of their lives, and have a saving relationship with Him. 
So how are they going to know that? Well, first, they need to know the gospel. Uh, but before that, you need to know the gospel. <laughs> you need, and, and we might say, well, duh, of course, I know the gospel. I'm a Christian. I've been here for... But when I say you need to know the gospel, is you need to know it in such a way that you are able to share that message with children in a way that they could understand, to bring it down to their level and make it absolutely clear why they need Jesus, uh, that they're a sinner, why they need Jesus, and how Jesus saves them and what it means for him to be Lord. Um, so, know the gospel. We need to be able to make it clear. And it really should be central to everything we do. Okay, so we're going to have lessons that span Genesis 1-1 all the, way, all the way to Revelation. And that's how our curriculum is designed. It goes through the whole Bible in two years, right? I always get mixed up because there's three years in other curriculums. Uh, two years, we go through the entire Bible. And so they're going to hear story, they're going to hear every kind of major story. Obviously, in 104 weeks, you can't cover every story in the Bible. But don't lose sight of the fact. It's called the Gospel Project for a reason. Don't lose sight of the fact that through every one of these stories, it's trying to communicate to kids uh, what's wrong with us, why we need someone to save us, how God has provided this plan to save us. Who that is, Jesus Christ, and everything that that, that that means, and then what they need to do to be saved. So, making the gospel clear and making the gospel central to everything we do. So, I want to show this video real quickly. Something to think about when we think about sharing the gospel with children. And then I put the end of your notes here two particular exhortations when it comes to two of the most common questions that I get and I've heard even in this series when it comes to sharing the gospel, particularly in this culture. One, how do I share the gospel with children? And two, how do I share the gospel with cultural Christians around me? So let's, let's think about these. First, with the children. How do, how do I share the gospel with my children, other children? How do I know when to really understand the gospel? And there's so much that could be explored here. I just want to give a few thoughts that I hope will be helpful in talking with children about faith. So one, I encourage you to maximize interaction. Maximize interaction. Talking with children about the gospel, specifically about responding to the gospel, as you share the gospel, constantly ask questions, encourage conversation, and use open-ended questions. Not yes and no. Did you understand what I just shared? Are you ready to trust in Jesus? Yes and no questions. They're not most effective. I, I remember, I remember I mentioned I, I grew up going, involved in church. I where I was sitting. I was probably about 10 years old. And I worship service one Sunday night. And I was over here. There was a guest preacher there. And he was preaching. At the end, he gave an invitation. And he gave all kinds of different ways for people to respond. And one of the things he said is, he said, during this time, we're going to be singing. And if, if you want to, I want to encourage. If you, if you see somebody in this room that you would like to encourage, then I want to challenge you to go to them and just encourage them. Just build them up. So I'm sitting over here, 10 years old. And... And we, we start standing and singing, and the pastor stands out here at the front uh, to receive people, and, and nobody's coming. And I'm over here thinking, I love the pastor, but I want to encourage him. And so, so I, I move out from my aisle, and I come up to the pastor, and I take his hand, and 
and say, Pastor, thank you for all you do for the church. And uh, music was loud, he's a little older, hard of hearing, and I don't, he didn't understand what I said, so he asked me to repeat. I said, uh, thank you for all you do for the church, uh, how you lead us to Christ. And he looked back at me, kind of this puzzled look, and I remember it's like it was last night. He looks back at me, and he says, so you want to rededicate your life to Christ? <laughs> I didn't know what to do. So I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and he, he take, and we start praying together. He sits me down in the front row. I start filling out a card. Rededicate my life to Christ. We finish the song. He brings me up in front of the church. Like young David here has rededicated his life to Christ. My parents come and stand with me. My mom's got tears in her eyes. All... <laughs> That's so, so use open-ended questions. So yes and no goes down. Knows that, yeah, anybody, any kid can say yes or no. Who knows what? So all right, open-ended questions, right? Open-ended questions. Who is God? What does it mean for us to be sinners? What has God done for us? How can we be? Have a relationship with God. Ask open-ended questions. Discussion about the gospel. About faith. Along the way, utilize illustration. So pictures like the one that are on the back of this booklet are stories, concrete examples. Think about concrete examples of what these theological terms mean. It's been a joy walking through these, these memory verses. And uh, I remember Proverbs 17, 15. I was sitting around with a seven, or six and five-year-old. They said, what does abomination mean? And said, oh, okay, abomination. And, and trying to think of a story to illustrate. I remember, remember where I was sitting in sixth grade with a man I still keep in touch with who, uh, who we were talking about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord. And my dream as a sixth grader was to be a professional baseball player one day. And so, and I shared that with this guy and he's sitting with me and he says, now David, to follow Jesus as Lord means that if Jesus says that, that you, you need to do something besides be a professional baseball player, you need to be willing to put down your bat and your glove and, and do what he says. And I remember that. That was, that was a clear picture in my sixth grade mind of He's, he's Lord. And my faith went to a deeper level as a result of this concrete example, illustration of what it means for Jesus to be Lord. So I laid down the dream right there. It's a good thing I did. But the, the whole picture is utilize illustration, maximize interaction, and use repetition. Now this is probably most important, for, particularly for children and around their homes or that we're regularly involved in ministry with life with. So parents, others, working with children, I encourage you to constantly emphasize the threads of the gospel. Parents in your home with your kids, others in sharing life and ministry with children all day long, every day, every chance, talk about the character of God, the sinfulness of man, the sufficiency of Christ, the necessity of faith, the urgency of eternity. Now sometimes people think, well, I want my children's faith to be their own, so I'm not going to pressure them. And as we talk about, there's truth to that. Our goal is not to manipulate anybody into faith, particularly children into faith. And obviously, as a child grows older, they'll come, they'll come more and more into their own. But as long as we're able to teach them the gospel, we teach our kids how to eat and drink, how to put on their clothes, how to make their bed, how to say yes, ma'am, and no, sir, how to play sports, how to play music, how to do all kinds of things. Certainly, teaching them the gospel is more important than all of those things put together. 
So prioritize more than anything, more than anything, prioritize speaking the gospel day in and day out to your children so it becomes a part of the fabric of your home and their understanding from the very beginning of their lives. Now, this can lead to challenges in a good way because children who are four or five or six or seven or eight or however many years old who are being saturated with the gospel will oftentimes begin to respond to the gospel, talk about becoming a Christian. And then one of the biggest questions that many Christian parents wonder about is, well, when do I know that my child is a Christian? How do I know exactly when they become a Christian? And obviously, that's, that's a great question. But at the same time, this is where I would encourage parents in particular not to fret too much over that question. So yes, we would discuss this. There comes a point in time when we place faith in Christ. A point in time where we're forgiven by God, adopted by God. But that point in time may not be quite as discernible in a child's life who's grown up immersed in the gospel as it might be in a 40-year-old man's life who hears the gospel for the first time. So you think about it. When a 40-year-old man, let's say he's got a history of drugs and drinking, whatever, and he hears the gospel for the first time and he responds to it, there's likely going to be a much more traumatic turning point than you would probably see in an 8-year-old who's grown up hearing the gospel all of his or her life. And that's okay. Wouldn't it be a good thing for one of our children to look back in their life and say, I can hardly ever remember a time when I wasn't turning from my sin to myself and trusting in Jesus as Savior and Lord. So this is where I want to encourage you to continually encourage in children a posture of turning and trusting. Meaning, instead of fretting over when this point of faith is, which it may be discernible in a 7-year-old, 8-year-old, 12-year-old, or whatever. It may be a discernible point. But instead of trying to make that point happen, instead encourage a posture, an attitude toward God of continually turning from sin and self and trusting in Jesus as Savior and Lord. So, I can't put this any better than a friend of mine uh, who's pastor of the Southern Church up in North. Stop it right there. All right. Um, I, I love what he said because a lot of times uh, it, we think of the Sunday school hour or the church for kids hour is. I have this story, I have to get it across, do my duty, uh, and then, you know, make sure the kids get something out of it. But if we think more in terms of every time we are with those kids, you know, in the, the dead space, in the moments where we're just having conversations, if we think about it relating those conversations and everything we talk about, saturating it with the truths of the gospel. And I can't remember, he rattled them off so quick it was hard to say. Uh, but if you think about it just like this, making clear to them the glory of God, what it means for him to be the creator of everyone and owner of everything. The problem of sin, how that's destructive and leads to death. Our desperate need for someone to save us. And I think one of the things he said, he said the sufficiency of Jesus Christ in our lives and the urgency with which we need to submit to him or something like that. If you can kind of think of those in every conversation you have, every story you have, asking those open-ended questions. All right. Is anyone here a sinner? And that question comes up probably a lot in Sunday school. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or somebody says, I've heard people say, no, I don't sin. Well, why would you say that? Open-ended questions. Where you're getting them to think through like, oh, maybe I am a sinner. Well, what does that mean? Um, I don't know. Well, it means you're spiritually dead. You need someone to save you. Do you know what it means for Jesus to be Savior? 
Uh, I'm not a great children's worker, so there's probably better ways to ask these in a more age-appropriate way. Uh, but really getting them to grasp what, what is the gospel. And, and asking yourself, am I able to do that? Am I even able to give a clear um, articulation of the gospel? He said, uh, a lot of people are so get so like preoccupied. There's got to be a moment where they sit down and they pray a prayer. And then if they do that, then they're good and they're saved. And now we can get on to other matters. But that's, that's not it. It's a continual re-emphasizing of the truth of God's yes. Oh, Deb, was that a question? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, just a really quick story from my past. I went on a mission trip to Venezuela as a youth, a 15-year-old, with my church. And uh, part of this mission trip is uh, there were these massive baseball clinics that were led by a, a former Major League Baseball player who was a, a member of our church. And uh, we would go through all these stations, and one of those stations was like the sharing the gospel station, but the other ones were all related to baseball drills. And at the end of the camp, what he did is he had them all gather around. So picture like 500 kids on this baseball field. And he said, uh, all right, if you want to have a relationship uh, with Jesus Christ, pray this prayer, repeat it after me right now. Uh, and then you know, a bunch of people did. And he said, raise your hand, repeat that prayer. Every single hand went up. Maybe there was one or two, I don't know. And he said, get everyone a Bible, hand them all a Bible. And I was like, okay, that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, and I went home, and the way it was reported was 500 people have come to Christ. And I was like, maybe, maybe one did, maybe two did, but they really wanted those Bibles, so they raised their hands and they prayed their prayer because you were giving out, you were giving out free stuff. Uh, who's discipling them after? Hopefully that the local church gets their names and disciples them. But don't think of it as like this, this point in time that we have to nail down and then we're done with it. Uh, I... I understand the God. There was a time when I was probably 22 when somebody explained the gospel to me in a way. Now, this is a guy who grew up in church, Sunday school. My parents were faithful. My Sunday school teachers were awesome. Uh, I definitely heard the gospel many times, I believe. I was baptized. And I remember at 22, somebody explained it to me. I'd be like, oh, that's why Jesus had to die on the cross. Not that I didn't know anything before that point, but we're always coming to a deeper understanding. So what does it hurt? To reinforce those things over and over again. Because how many people have gotten to be 18? They left the house. And as far as their life reflects, you know, Jesus is not Lord over any aspect um, of their life. So continue to emphasize the gospel. Um, so how are we actually going to do this in Sunday school and in church for kids? And I would even say in the nursery. Uh, don't just think because, you know, little Daniel or, or Lorelai are running around or crawling around um, that they aren't able to take, take things in. Actually, they probably take in more than we realize. It could be a simple truth as Jesus loves you or singing the song, Jesus loves me. I probably heard that song when I was one, two in nurseries growing up, and it was probably the beginnings of being exposed um, to the gospel. So don't discount if if you're just in the nursery. But how is it that we're going to make disciples? Okay, so I've got these main elements listed up here, and we're, we're kind of driving to a point where we're going to learn how the best way we can make use of, of the curriculum that we have. Um, I actually have these packets 
that Jana prints out for the workers uh, for each week. If you are teaching, are going to be teaching, and you haven't seen one of these yet, raise your hand. Okay, so let me get...
If you can't say that in a succinct statement, then you're not ready. You're not ready because you, you haven't grasped what is the, the main theme, what is the main point of this story. So big picture question is really helpful for that. I'm going to tell them about God's grace. And David committed this big sin. He cried out to the Lord. God is gracious to forgive him. Okay, that's what I'm teaching the kids about today. So really, those, those three things, the Bible story, the memory verse, and the big picture question. You really have free reign within that, that framework to be able to communicate the lesson. And what those packets do is they give you an abundance of material such that you should be able to come up with, whether it's an activity sheet, um, whether it's a, a game, whether it's some kind of illustration, you could come up with something around that time in the story and the verse and everything else you're doing to fill up your time, fill up uh, a lesson. I know Jan and Marsha, Iris always comes home with really cool crafts, and uh, she thinks that's really fun. There's a video uh, that you can show as well. The videos are about two minutes long, and I'll show you how to, how to, how to play those in a little bit. Oh, we haven't really been doing those in Sunday school, which is fine because we're teaching the same lesson. So, Church for Kids, from what I understand, everyone's showing the video, right? Church for Kids. All right. At the end, I'll show you how to do it in case you have never shown the video. But it's basically like a two-minute summary of the Bible story. All right. So, outside of that, what are some things that you can be doing or things that might be uh, helpful to you as you think about filling up that lesson time? Uh, illustrations and activities, which a lot of you can find in the packet. Uh, this kind of goes along more with just what we're doing all the time, repeating truths to them. You know, Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. You're emphasizing those truths of the gospel. Um, sharing many testimonies of your life. If you can think of an example in your own life, I think Joanne's pretty good about doing this. Think of an example in your own life of how God taught you that lesson. Uh, share that. Share that with the class. There's, there's uh, one of the most effective ways is if they hear how this is, has impacted you uh, personally. Another tool that we have is um, this catechism. If you have some downtime, you have like five minutes, and you're thinking, well, what am I going to do with these five, five minutes? Uh, this is great because it just has um, one, what is the gospel? So helping, helping them understand the gospel through verses in Romans. Um, the Apostles' Creed, what do we believe? The Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, um, books of the Bible. Uh, one of the things that you can do, one of the things that would be great to do, and, and it actually talks about this in the curriculum, is helping them improve their Bible skills. All right, now how many of you can say your books of the Bible in order, Old Testament and New Testament? <laughs> All right, way to go, guys. All right, uh, for many of us, we feel kind of like, oh, I can't even do that, but the kids, uh, they can learn this stuff uh, probably better than any of us can at this, at this stage in life. And I can't tell you how, how helpful that has been to me navigating my way through the Bible just to kind of know where everything falls in the Bible. So think of things like Bible drills. Does everybody know? Does anybody not know what a Bible drill is? All right. Well, in case you're just not raising your hand, Bible drills is just saying, turn in your Bible to the book of Mark. 
and then have them go. And they can race each other or in time them, uh, whatever, and they're finding their way around the months. I used to love that when I was a kid. And then some of you may be song-oriented. I'm not, but if you have songs that you can sing, particularly ones that go along with the lesson, that's another idea of something that we can use. And I kind of reiterated all these down here. The video, memory verse, reading the lesson, item from the catechism, song, craft, Bible skills, game, or activity. Outside of, I'll just hammer this home, outside of the memory verse, teaching the lesson, and the big picture, um, whatever you can find in that, in that curriculum or whatever you can bring that you have uh, in your arsenal, uh, that would be great. Sunday school is about an hour. Church for Kids is as long as I preach. Talk about that. <laughs> All right, so how do you prepare? Somebody want to volunteer and just say, somebody who's been doing it a while, how do you prepare to teach the lesson? Read the story from the Bible over and over and over. I like that. Yeah. Um, read the story from the Bible over and over. Because there's, uh, in the packet, I think there's a story, version of the story, right? There is a version of the story. Yeah. There's also uh, a leader Bible study yeah, there's a leader Bible study that helps you, the leader, to understand uh, the story within that packet. Uh, but the really the gist of all that is becoming so familiar with the story that you can basically tell it by just walking in and, and starting, starting to talk to the class. Now, something that I think is really helpful and I would strongly encourage you to do is to open up the Bible and read from the Bible itself. Because they need to know this is coming from somewhere. There's an authoritative source that all this is coming from. And so you can read through the, the scripture, which might take, uh, let's say it takes a minute. And what you can do after that is you can come back, or maybe you pause at like each section and say, okay, do you understand what's going on here? This is what just happened. So you're summarizing your way through the story, or you're reading all the way through the story, and then you come back later and say, here's what we just read. Because sometimes, you know, Bible language can be mystifying. Uh, for kids, depending on what what age they are. Yeah. How old are the We we kind of leave it open ended, but I would say right now three to ten. It's a big range. Four to ten. What do you? Uh, I think the kids that go there are about six to ten. Okay, six to ten. ten. I didn't know. If, yeah. I didn't know if Levi was in there from time to time or not. Yeah, okay, six to ten. A little easier range. Yes? Uh, I noticed on the songs, does they give a suggestion of the songs, or is it sort of up to you to figure what songs go with the lesson? I don't know. There's not songs in there, is there? No, and I just say songs, and that's just me throwing out an idea that you, it's not something that you have to have a song. It's just if you have a song that you want to share with them um, that's related in some way. Um, all right, so read, understand, and review the lesson. Or as Joanne said, read it over and over again until you understand it. Uh, be able, at the end of it, to state what the, what I would call the big picture theme of the story is. 
Um, so just thinking, uh, God chooses uh, David, right? What is the big picture theme just right off the top of my head? Uh, God doesn't look on outward appearances. He looks at what's in the heart. So, you know, be able to, to succinctly state what is the point of this lesson. How many of you do this? Honestly, before you teach, how many of you spend time in prayer? Nope. Crickets. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you, that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> but I thank you for being honest. Uh, we forget this too. We get so caught up and in the busyness. Today, we're talking about Malachi. In the sermon, one of the problems is they were just giving God their leftovers. And I, I think sometimes we all are, we get that way where we get through the week and it's like, oh, now i got to teach Sunday school. And I come in, like, what's the lesson real quick? Okay, I'm good. But are we giving this um, the amount of attention that we need to give this to truly uh, teach it in a way that's going to be uh, helpful for the kids, but honoring and glorifying to God, and that includes maybe if you have one of those weeks, it's just I got to get alone with God for five minutes here and pray before I got to get my heart right before I go in and teach these kids. All right, so be familiar with the passage, pray, and then make a plan. And when I say make a plan, um, I don't know what helps you the best, but I always have to, if it's on a computer or a pad of paper, I got to just say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Don't willy-nilly it. Don't wing it. Have something, a napkin, <laughs> whatever, where it says, I'm going to read the lesson, then we're going to talk about this, then we're going to do this craft, and we're going to end by taking prayer requests. And, and a list of the week. A list of what you do. An outline. Make an outline. That outline may be in your head. That's fine. But if it's in your head, no, I'm going to do this. All right, and this is just uh, kind of the way that the curriculum, if you have that packet, lays it out. Um, it talks about four different stages. There's welcoming, learning, loving, and living. Welcoming is kind of that introduction, the starter stuff. It gives you ideas for a session starter. Uh, someone's just getting to know the kids. How was your week? What are you looking for? When I'm in the youth group, uh, a lot of times I'll ask, like, what are you guys looking forward to? Or what's the hardest thing that happened? Uh, this week. So building relationships, taking prayer requests, that's, a, that's an idea. Um, and then learning, that's the, the meat, the content of what we're doing in the Bible lesson. Uh, loving is then taking what we've learned and trying to apply and seek to understand what that looks like in their lives. Um, also talks about in the loving section, Bible skills, application. Um, now there's one more thing I mentioned later. And then live uh, is activities that help them like really take what they've just learned and say, how am I going to live this out uh, during this week? Uh, how am I going to live out what I just learned? Uh, helpful things to do at the end of every lesson is, is just to challenge them. Challenge the kids. How are you going to take what you've learned and apply it to your life? Except be more specific uh, based on whatever the lesson is. What's this going to look like when you're with your siblings? What's this going to look like in your school this week? And that is really, I guess you can see that. That is a picture of the entire Bible timeline that is posted. If you've ever wondered what that is in the classroom, it actually comes from the curriculum. And 
uh, last year, Marcia said we should we should get that and put it up. So thank you to, to Jan and Marcia for doing that. Uh, but basically, this is a picture timeline from Genesis to Revelation. And one of the things it talks about that you can do in the packet, uh, either during that lesson time or during the Bible skills time, is to kind of come to, okay, where are we at in the timeline? Uh, you know, are we in creation? Uh, is this after the fall? Or, or is Israel in captivity? Are they in the wilderness? Um, what's going on in the big picture storyline so that they're seeing like, oh, this isn't just some isolated story. It fits into the entire storyline of the scripture from creation to fall, God's plan for redemption to his consummation, his completion of all things. There's a picture of the catechism poster that we have in the down there in the classroom that you can reference if you're going over the elements catechism all right so before we get to this last part any questions on teaching the curriculum so how it gets to you is Jana prints out a packet for each week and she puts it on the uh, shelf down in the classroom you'll see it in the shelf or she hands it to you in person or if you would like she can email it to you um, if you would prefer that so you have access to it in advance, just let Jana know and she will make sure that you All right, so we got about 10 minutes. It's only an hour, so yeah, it's hard to accomplish everything in an hour. Um, it's a very broad overview of, of how we're teaching. But we'll move on here to what we're doing to make sure that our children's ministry is safe. And um, I'm gonna tell you kind of like the basic, the bare minimum of what we're trying to do. If you have helpful ideas that you want to chime in with, that would be great as well. Uh, but one of the things, uh, we have actually have gotten a little behind on this, so you'll be getting an email soon. A couple of them have expired, and there's a few who have just started teaching that have not had background checks, and this is something According to our insurance, we get a certain rate based on whether we're doing background checks. So in the next few weeks, be ready to receive an email. I know there's a couple that don't have emails. Um, if you don't have an email, what we're doing is we're probably going to end up asking for your information and having it plugged in uh, manually that way so that everyone has had a background check. Um, we always try to have two people. Uh, this is another one of those insurance type thing but it just it makes sense in this day and age um, always trying to have two people in the room at a period of time i realize we are not we have not been perfect uh, on this but this is what we need to strive for so we're going to schedule two people uh, with sunday school i think we're going to be able to have two teams now we'll talk we can talk more about that offline about what that's going to look like but not leaving one person alone uh, with children uh, Check-in. Definitely for nursery, there's a, a sign-in sheet making sure that you get the names down, you know who their parents are. Uh, the nursery one, I think it has a spot for if they have any allergy, food allergies, something that we need to be aware of. Uh, but there's also an attendance sheet for Sunday school. And for church for kids, if I could just ask you to get in the habit of doing this, um, on that Sunday school attendance sheet, 
just somewhere on there, uh, write, you know, church for kids and write the names of those who are coming. You know, maybe that's four people and you know them all. Uh, but particularly, you know, if there's someone you don't know, make sure you write their name down, know who their parents are, um, so that we don't lose anyone. Doesn't sound like a problem now, maybe in the future. Yeah. Check in. You're talking check in of kids or check in of teachers or both? Kids. Kids. Yeah. All right. And one of those workers of the two uh, needs to be a church member who's over 18. So I know like Jeff works with uh, Sabrina. That's fine. Um, but one of those needs to be a background checked um, member of the church over 18 years old. Um, I said very occasionally there might be an exception where somebody is not a member yet, uh, but they've been background checked and either they're working with somebody who's a member or because there's a nursery league on duty uh, who is a member of the church, then we're trying to meet the, the uh, intent of that. Uh, and then as far as like physical security goes, uh, this is something I don't we, we need to figure it out uh, for Sunday school if somebody has a good idea. But for Church for Kids, there's only one place that people can come into our church building while the kids are down there, and that's upstairs. And there's somebody upstairs who is monitoring, who would know if someone comes downstairs. Sunday school, that's more challenging because we have that door open, and we're keeping those doors open for, for visitors to come in. Um, but if you see anybody in the children's spaces that you don't recognize, and like this is a real, a real legit concern. Um, I haven't, well, it has happened once here and somebody was kind of, I think it was innocent, um, but I simply stopped them and I said, is there something you need? And I followed, followed that person back upstairs and handed him off to someone. Um, Quick story, when I, when I was at Overland Hills, a visitor came one day and through the course of conversation said how much uh, he loved working with kids. I had a red flag that that would even be the, the first thing we were talking about. And like the next Sunday, he said, he asked if he could just kind of uh, see what our kids program you know, is about. Like, and I, I went with him in my naivety, probably shouldn't have done this. And I stayed with him and said, hey, he's just observing. Uh, well, come to find out who was a predator who was going around churches and doing this. We always had somebody with him at all times, but when we kind of confronted him about this, he never came back uh, to the church. So that's a legitimate thing that happens. If you don't, the biggest thing I can tell you is if you see somebody you don't recognize, uh, come and find somebody, tell somebody, text somebody, uh, and make sure that there are eyes on that person until uh, they're no longer in the, the education spaces. All right, any more on that? Um, Questions? Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. A while back, uh, I think before you were past here, we never had any like instances, but you know, when shootings and things started happening inside churches, we did unlock the, in each classroom, in the nursery, and then our classroom, there are doors down there for closets, and we were having those unlocked during the time the kids were down there in case so that we can hide kids in there if we ever needed to. So, I mean, I know that that's probably something that will never happen, but it's something to keep in your mind. 
so that if it does happen, you know they're they're safe if they're back there behind that door or safer. Are you saying other classrooms downstairs? No, the, the two classrooms. The nursery has a, a closet. In oh, the closet. Yeah, the and then okay. the my room has a closet. Yes. <coughs> so in the if any of you ever had an active shooter, shooter training, run, hide, fight, that would be your hide, yes. it sounds like. If you couldn't run, which would become very obvious if you hear gunshots down there, hide, there's a closet that you can lock. Okay, in the nursery and church. Yeah, in both rooms. Okay. Obviously, we would try to get them up the stairs and go out the back door if that were safe, but it's possible. Just something to have in your mind because right. we don't know. Yeah. Yes, I do wonder about this door being locked, especially, I mean, I know when Sunday school comes in, it might be hard, but I think maybe when Sunday school starts, do we lock this door after a certain time, or does it stay? No, it's supposed to be locked. Well, after Sunday school, it gets locked. But it doesn't always get locked. <laughs> it has always. <laughs> I know you said the ones up at the top are unlocked, so we have visitors and stuff. Yeah. But I was just wondering, just because things are going crazy out there. Yeah, right now it's during Sunday school. Yeah, there is. That's that's the challenge right now. Um, unless we had like a security guard that we could post um, at in the foyer at all times. That way we have foyer covered and we have that covered because we see everyone that comes in. Yep. I've got a question because we, it has not, it used to be if the door upstairs was, if the doors, entryways upstairs were unlocked before church, there had to be somebody up there. And we don't have someone up there in that area during Sunday school. Yeah. And I thought with putting the sign up point down this way for Sunday school, can we keep that locked maybe until we have someone up there? Because someone could easily come in up there without being yeah. spotted. There's so many places in the church they can disappear into. And yeah. Yeah. I th that's good. good because point. I think put on that door, you know, during Sunday until we have someone up there, you know, have yeah, at 10 30 we open it. Yeah. yeah. So the signs just say, hey, Sunday school's done. Yeah, but I think those doors up there should be locked if there's no one up there. Okay. That's my personal opinion, just because of what goes on in our church. You've been, <laughs> you've had a tour around it, <laughs> you know, we're all, there's a lot of nooks and crannies in our church. Yeah. There really are. What's the, what's the chances on that video feed that there, the, the, the officer, can somebody get that on his phone? Uh, that we can watch it, your Sunday school class? Person. 
Uh, I don't want to assume assume we don't know this, but you know, we're all mandatory reporters, right? So if somebody comes to us with signs of abuse, or they tell us that you know they're being abused, molested, or whatever, then uh, who do we report that to? Pastor. Not police. just right. No, it has to go to the police. You better make sure it goes to the police. Even if you report to me, you better yeah, make sure you're waiting, watching me uh, call the police because uh, we are responsible for reporting that. Uh, the other thing would be like if you observe somebody abusing while you are working, so it'd be another worker, uh, then you would definitely want to come get a leader, one of the elders, as quickly as possible and get on that. Um, and most likely, it would mean calling authorities unless there was some some big misunderstanding. But uh, just remember, we have to go to the authorities if we suspect any uh, child abuse. We hear of any child abuse or something um, like that that is a harm to, to children. And what the thing you don't do is you don't give the parents heads up. You can't do that. You can't say, I'm going to go call the police. Obviously, if you watch to do it, you confront it right there in the moment. But. Okay, uh, just go through this real quick, and then if we have any questions. Uh, so, there's a quarterly schedule for Church for Kids Nursery, and, well, it's really a monthly schedule for nursery. Uh, I mean, Church for Kids. Uh, but quarterly, a schedule gets posted that has those who are serving in Church for Kids, Sunday School, and in the nursery, Kelly emails it out. She also posts it up in the foyer if you're ever wondering when you're on. Um, we have essentially um, a lead teacher for every church for kids. Now, some of you, you kind of might be co-leads, but there's somebody in there who's, who's responsible for delivering the lesson, and then there's an assistant. Uh, we also have nursery leads that are on duty. So Julie Lopez, uh, Right now, Kelly was Bonnie. Uh, Kelly and Megan uh, are, are responsible to make sure the nursery is, is running as it's supposed to on that Sunday morning, in, a, in addition to the two people that are working in the nursery that morning. Um, don't let the kids leave without supervision. Um, I know in all these Sunday school, Joanne, it's like, man, all right, there's Iris. We have a, we have a thing. It's fine. Uh, but stay with them. Don't let them just be alone in the building. That's, that's the main thing. Um, and then uh, for Church for Kids, just so you know, when you hear the last song being played, because you can always hear it, right? When you hear the last song being played, that's the cue to bring the kids back up uh, into the service, and then they go and find their, find their parents. Um, big one right here. Please, please, please try to be present at least 15 minutes early if you're teaching Sunday school or prior to the service for a church. Well, for church for kids, as long as you're there at service time, you're fine because you're 15 minutes early by being there on time. Uh, but nursery, and that's kind of like been the biggest one, is I've come down there a few times and it's like three minutes till and the nursery's dark and there's no one in there. Um, please don't do that. Be here 15 minutes early because there's been a few times where visitors have come with kids and I take them down there and it's like, oh, I guess our nursery workers. I mean, it's just, it's just not good um, in a lot of respects. 
But please, if you have duty, take it seriously enough to be there early enough to prepare uh, and to be available for kids, people dropping their kids off. And another, another big one, my biggest pet peeve. This is my biggest pet peeve. Uh, getting a text at 9.25, Pastor, I'm not going to be able to serve this morning. Now I understand if you're throwing up, whatever, that's, that's fine. Uh, first of all, there's a list. It has phone numbers on it. So as soon as you know you're going on vacation, don't call Kelly. Don't text Kelly. Don't text me and say I can't serve. Find that person on the list that you think might be the best candidate to switch. If you're ever going to miss, think, not miss, think, I'm just switching. <laughs> All right? Always switching, never missing. So I'm going to go on vacation in two weeks. I'm going to see if I can take theirs, they can take mine. You work it out with them, and we're good. If you call like 10 people and it's like, I just can't get a hold of anyone, then text Kelly. Then, and only then. <laughs> And, text, and the first thing Kelly will say is, have you asked if anyone can switch? All right. Is that okay? Is that an acceptable requirement? Expectation, I should say. Okay, so that's big picture protection and policies, and I will get back with you on the doors and the, the security, We're trying to work that out, figure that out the best way to that. Get um, out. Right now, I know you may be saying, well, there's only ever one kid, two kids, three kids. Why are we doing all this? Uh, go back to the beginning, because I think it's that important uh, to continually have a time where we present the gospel to children, where we are making disciples. And I'm hopeful that more kids will come uh, in the future. And I want to be ready. Uh, I want to have a right posture, not be surprised by that when Investors show up on Sunday morning. We just know what we're doing. But with one kid, sometimes you can really start building a solid relationship. Yeah. More so than when you've got additional kids. Which is really, really good. Yeah. One one kid's worth it. Yeah, it's, yeah selfishly, I was brag on uh, Sunday school teachers, Joanne, um, and Bonnie. Bonnie did a great job too. And the church for kids workers. My daughter has been coming home every Sunday, and I ask her what she learned, and she's able to tell me. So you guys are doing a fandom up job, if, if you don't know that. Um, Iris, if she's the only one, <laughs> no, but I know there's more. Uh, but she is, she is learning and having the gospel just front and center in her life, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. So I'm so grateful uh, for that. And I know Jana is, and, and Josh and Maria, and Marsha. Uh, Jim Norma with grandkids, so it's it's a big deal what we do. Don't forget that. It's a really big deal. All right. Well, it's ten thirty-eight. So <laughs> would somebody want to close us in prayer? I can do it. Dear Lord, just thank you for uh, giving us this time to talk about the children. We know that uh, without children, the church is a, a dying church. Uh, we also know that statistics show that most people are, are led to Christ in their youth. And we just pray that you just give those of us that work with the youth a desire and the ability to work with Christ. And for those of you who are new, uh, 
I'll be getting with you very shortly, or Kelly will, to kind of figure out how to get um, slotted in. I know Norma had mentioned uh, being willing to do Sunday school, right, Norma? And so we have uh, Joanne and Joni. So I'm thinking we could have a team with Norma and Elise and Joanne and Joni. And you guys can work out or help me work out the best way to, to do a rotation if you want to do a rotation, whether it's every other week um, or one month and it's on, one month off or something, something like that. And I know Jana mentioned the same thing with Church for Kids. Um, right now, it, it is a different team every week, and so that can be hard for continuity for the kids. If there, if you, um, I guess we'll have to talk about this offline, but if, if you think there's a better way to do that rotation, or if you'd rather do like a month on, um, and then, you know, each team does a month at a time, let me know, and we, we can move that around. Let me know what's best. All right, now you're dismissed.